today. New photos show Joe Biden's cheat sheet for his press conference yesterday. And uh, Governor Kemp in Georgia signs a massive election integrity bill, which leads to the arrest of a Democrat lawmaker in Georgia. We have got a crazy Friday coming up, and it starts right now. Welcome to the News and Why It Matters. Happy Friday. I'm Sarah Gonzalez, today joined by political commentator John Doyle, back in the house, even though he- You was, allowed me back. He offended me <laughs> yeah. greatly, I might add, but I found it in my heart to forgive you. Thank you, thank you for having me back. Well, we'll see how it goes. Okay. <laughs> also joined by Amy Robbins, uh, CEO of Alexo Athletica. You know I love being here. Yes. And nothing else I would rather do on a Friday. Yes, so, I, so yeah. good. Well, thank you for being here. Um, and I feel like we, maybe if we have time, let's let's chat about what's going on this week in the world today as far as, as all of the Well, I wore control. my friendly reminder today uh, for anyone wondering, you know, Second Amendment equals freedom. We lose that, we lose our freedom. And if we want to jump into that, we can later yeah. on, but yes. Uh, all right, so yesterday, of course, Biden's first press conference since becoming president. He set the, that, that's not the record that you want to be setting, but uh, in modern times, first president to go this long without a press conference, finally had it. And, uh, you know, it was, um, it was interesting. I feel like uh, it, <laughs> we expected it, but um, I'm not sure that, you know, mainstream media journalists, NBC News, I forget who it was, but one of the reporters there was like, Joe Biden's on fire right now, coming out of the gate. And then very shortly uh, after that was like, oh, he looks tired and weak. And I'm not sure that he knows what day it is. So um, let me actually, let's play. <laughs> Joe Biden yesterday when he was answering a question and then all of a sudden was like, you know, there, there's that old saying that goes, well, anyway, I don't know what I was saying anymore. Watch. Thank you, Mr. President. Um, to follow up on the filibuster, so do you believe it should take 60 votes to end a filibuster on legislation or 51? <laughs> if we could end it with 51, we would have no problem. You're going to have to, the existing rule, uh, it's going to be hard to get a parliamentary ruling that allows 50 votes to end the filibuster, the, the existence of a filibuster. Um, but um, it's not my expertise in what the parliamentary rules and how to get there are, but our preoccupation with the filibuster is totally legitimate. But in the meantime, we got a lot we can do while we're talking about what we're going to do about the filibuster. Yeah, that was not the clip that I was looking for. But uh, you saw Joe Biden uh, losing his train of thought, saying, you know, the best way to get something done is to, uh, you know. Well, anyway, I, I mean, I won't bore you with completing my thought. Okay, because I don't know what I was saying. Uh, so he was hit pretty hard. What, what did you think of his first press conference, John? I thought that it was very interesting to watch how, unlike probably every other president we've ever had, his thoughts were catching up to his words rather than vice versa. Like typically when you're speaking or monologuing, you have like the thoughts <laughs> and then you're trying to like articulate them, but there's just like nothing going on there. It's like not even like the hamster with the wheel. And so he's just like saying words, <laughs> hoping like he finds it somewhere, can like catch it up. And then he's got the like four or five, you know, here's the 
deal. Look. Right. Yeah, and just like <laughs> right. these little like filler words. And it's just like, it's such an embarrassment to the country. And did you guys it notice? I, I didn't, I didn't realize this until it was pointed out and I wish that I could give credit to exactly who it was. I don't remember who pointed it out. Um, but there was someone online who pointed out that he would randomly yell different words. <laughs> like if you listen to his answers and he got, it was like he got very angry as he was talking about something and he'd be like, and, and also I would like to just say, it was the unions who did that. It was, it was very bizarre if maybe you go they, back and watch the clip. Maybe they practiced that. Maybe that was why this has taken 65 days to get to this point, because they're like, okay, just yell random words. Yeah, it was and, just like old man yelling at no, cloud. Yeah, they, they, told them, they were like, uh, the Simpsons reference. <laughs> they, like, uh, they told him, like, you know, Joe, you need to look intense out there. And so like as he's like losing it, he remembers, oh, yeah, intensity. And yeah, he just like, stands yeah. it really Gives quick. It. Well, yeah. I love that he said that he's not an expert in, in what policy and procedure. But then didn't he also say that he's been in the Senate for like 120 years? Yeah. So you think after 120 years you, you would should be, an be an expert and know how to get some of this stuff done yeah. I, I literally felt like finally America a how many people actually really watch press conferences I mean except for Trump's because Trump's were actually entertaining so maybe they were banking on the fact that no one's gonna watch this but for those of us that did did anyone else feel like they were like in the movie The Wizard of Oz? Like we're literally watching the curtain like be pulled back. We're we're actually sitting here going, "Hello, Biden is not running the show." Yeah, we've he been is literally. We've that. been telling you this. Mm -hmm. He has been propped up. He is this puppet. We we got to look behind the curtain and see at this point like the deep state is running this entire show. He has nothing to do with this, and it was completely evident after watching that yeah, press well, conference. I mean, to your point, Amy, we saw uh, from the pictures that surfaced from the press conference that not only did Joe Biden appear to rely on notes for his answers, he also had a list of uh, if, yeah. If we could show this, so if. Okay, so here's the notes that he had his little talking points because, I mean, you can't expect the president to remember things like China spends three times more on infrastructure than the United States um, or the U.S. now ranks 13th globally in infrastructure, which, by the way, he did say 85th, I think. So mm -hmm. a little off there. Not 85th, but 13th. Um, but he also had, if we could go to the next picture, he also had uh, a list of journalists' names with their pictures. But I think what is really interesting about this is that it also had the journalists that he ended up calling on. Mm -hmm. It listed them, and it had a number out to the side, which coincided with the number that they were in order, uh, the questions that he was answering. So yep. number one was the first question that he went to. Number two was the second and so on and so forth, because obviously this was planned out. Obviously, they got the questions ahead of time. Uh, again, it's like this was this news surfaced as if we didn't already know that even her, uh, Jen Psaki herself was not fielding questions from reporters before answering them the next day um, in the White House briefing room. So Joe Biden can't even, I guess, be expected to remember reporters' names uh, or the questions that they would ask. I mean, this is the entire thing, as Amy said, it was just it was all just a setup. We're looking behind the curtain at, you know, who's pulling this. Well, we're not looking at who's pulling the strings, but we're seeing the puppet himself yep. just kind of read off of everything that they have strategically laid out for him. And he can't even do that without a few gaffes. I like it a lot, to be honest. <laughs> 
Like, it's just much more fitting. Like, when we had Trump there, you know, we had our, like, semblance of hope. Like, maybe he's going to clean the, uh, the deep state. He's going to drain the swamp. But now that we know that every other institution in the country is completely corrupted, it's more fitting that we have someone like Joe Biden who is, like, literally a puppet. It just makes more sense. I think it, like, completes the picture a lot better. Even now, like, our, our argument for quite some time was that, well, if all else fails, we've got the military. Then they start doing TikTok dances and they're like waving trans flags. Right. And so it turns out that we don't really have the military anymore. <laughs> and so we don't have anything. So we can at least just laugh at the press conference. I saw the USA Today live stream on YouTube for a while ratioed 5,000 dislikes, like 2,000 really? likes. The comments were all like making fun of him. Yeah, there's a like a proportion of the population who really likes those photos that he posts every like week on his Twitter, like two months down, oh, yeah. five weeks down, or like whatever. And like those people are like, oh, America's back and stuff. But everyone else is just kind of like, <laughs> yeah, we're, it's a circus. We, yeah, we, we kind of saw this coming, guys. Mm -hmm. We told you this was going to happen and you didn't listen. We warned you yeah. a long time ago. Ugh. I mean, it, the whole thing was just, I don't know if it was sad or if it was just a realization of everything that we've been saying. I mean, but I just kind of watched it going... My head is going to explode. And thinking back to, you know, I remember Kaylee always bringing like a big old notebook with yeah. her, but well, she I mean, never that's the had time to read through things. Mm -hmm. I mean, Trump never took anything with him. Like, Well, yeah, because I think that the entire point of a, a White House press secretary bringing notes is that you are getting your talking points from the president, right? So you can say, this is what he says, this is what his strategy is. When the president himself is holding the notes and having to read the note cards from, it's like, well, hold on a second, who are you getting these talking points from? Because you're supposed to be the one that's creating the talking points <laughs> that other people are saying. Uh, so it's a little scary there. It was even funny because like Joe Biden is so willing to capitulate to the journalists if they like push him on a question because he's not like a strong leader, whereas yeah. Trump would just know. Yeah. He'd be like, but Mr. President, the scientists are saying that the, the globe is getting hotter. He just, you'll see, you'll see. <laughs> like he just, just raw instinct and like strength versus Joe Biden's just like, well, what am I supposed to say? Yeah. Yep. It was just, yeah. It's sad. It was funny too when, uh, you know, Yumichi was basically like, well, everyone knows you're a great guy, Joe. Everyone knows you're a, a moral guy. And he's like, yeah, that's right. I am a good guy. <laughs> it was kind of the back and forth there. Um, but I was surprised. Cecilia Vega, I know, asked a, a pretty detailed, in-depth question on the border. Uh, so it was a little surprising, I think, for some people to see at least some semblance of journalistic uh, integrity there. I mean, I'm not going to go so far as to say they're acting like true journalists. I'm just saying there was like a little tiny they, semblance They allowed it there. in. They allowed one question little bit. in there that he was fully prepared for, right, had prepared a scripted for. answer to respond to, you know. But, I mean, and, and as I have said in the past, the way to make the press actually report on what's going on in the presidency is to a shut them out because they don't like that uh, and b get rid of their main. I mean, their arch nemesis was Trump. They got rid of him and now they're like, OK, so how do I make myself the story again? They've got to make themselves the story. Uh, but one thing that the Biden administration is getting hit on for, uh, well, Joe Biden himself said he was just a little off on this that he purported as fact that the um, he had said that they are expelling most of the families um, when they show up at the border. He said we're expelling most of them. Um, well, it's actually just an average of 13 percent of the nearly 13,000 family members attempting to cross the U.S.-Mexico border that they actually are expelling. So, um, I, I mean, it's just 
13 versus the majority of, which would be over 50. So he almost had it. Oops. It was really close. <laughs> yeah. But uh, not quite there, John. I just forgot to carry the four. It was just very, like, <laughs> small. You're, you're saying that as though it's a problem. Didn't you know that diversity is our greatest strength? That's a, that's a great point. Yeah. It, well, and our compassion. Yeah. Our compassion. Don't because, ask me to elaborate because right. I won't. Right. But it, it is our greatest strength. Yeah. I have bumper stickers in my car if you want some. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, but, I mean, I guess that's the idea is that you're, you are not compassionate unless you just expect the United States to just Welcome in all of these people, um, all, you know, tens of thousands of them at this point. Where they're going to go, other than the Dallas Convention Center, I don't know. Mm -hmm. But uh, we're supposed to just let them show up and figure out where to put them later. Yeah. No, and, and by the way, uh, never mind all of the homeless people that we already have. Well, that's, that's why this is like... This is so ridiculous because it's all under the guise of compassion, but then there's zero compassion when it comes for the taking care of our own people and the own problems that we have going on in our country right now. And you can push people's compassion so far because also compassion has to be coupled with like the resources to be able to do what you want people to do, feed, clothe, house, take care of somebody. Mm -hmm. And when those resources run out, you really have to look at, okay, we can only be pushed so far with our compassion before that runs out. Right, which is why the uh, California um, Foster Department, mm -hmm. uh, uh, they are asking foster parents to, they're giving them the option of how many migrant children they can house, and it's, there's an option for 26 or more. That's actually a really good point, too, about like the, the compassion with resource allocation. Like, Can politicians truly be compassionate by reallocating our tax our money, money to other people? And then, moreover, point. it's like, okay, we have our government established for the American people. So, like, you know, if you want to make an argument in, in favor of, like, a welfare state, like, I can at least understand that in principle, but then to expand that to anybody who right. wants to mm -hmm. come over here yeah. is just like, why? What, what interest do you have at stake? My question for those who continue to lecture us over and over again about how non-compassionate we mm -hmm. are because mm -hmm. we don't want to accept this in how many of how about we send them to their house how about we let every single politician who is doing nothing to help with this border crisis how about we send the 26 yeah. or the maximum how about number you take 26 or more yeah. migrant children and in your house also like how compassionate is it when you were literally sitting the ground for a breeding ground for human trafficking mm -hmm. i mean mm -hmm. this is so we may not even have time to jump into all that but i'm like this is literally a sex trafficker human traffickers dream yeah. situation right now i'll just take it 26 kids, undocumented children, and yeah. you know, have no parents. No one's going to follow. Who's going to follow up with all these kids and where they're at? Ah, we'll we'll take them in. I mean, who who even has time to vet all of these people at this point when they're begging people, foster homes, to take people in? I'm sure you're going to see a large number of people signing up, and maybe the vetting process isn't going to be there. Which is again, it's so frustrating because I was just reading uh, a news story that came across when I was, you know, scanning the news. That was a local story about a 17-year-old boy who um, was still waiting on. He was a, a foster kid and, or, and I mean, an orphan, and didn't have a family, and was like. I really hope to get some sort of family before I age out of the system. Mm -hmm. And it's like, God, we've got people here that we don't take care of, 
But you're not compassionate unless you let a bunch of people flood across our border. Expel them. They should be expelled. They should be uh, repatriated to, to the other countries. They should just like get completely out of government. Because they don't. it's not like they have allegiance to us. They don't even have allegiance to the concept of like America. Yeah. Like they know that they can benefit in terms of greater wealth and power if they just like let anybody into America. They, they are post-national. They don't even believe in the concept of America because they know that they can import the entire third world and they'll live in a gated community or maybe they'll just yep. go live somewhere mm -hmm. else. It's yep. like completely about eroding everything that made America America and then they can just like keep to themselves while mm -hmm. the working class and middle class are displaced and, and everything's just completely eroded. Yeah, mm -hmm. amen. All right, we've got more to come. First, we want to thank our sponsor, Bonner Wines. So uh, Bonner makes their wines down in Argentina. Now they have these vineyards that go, they're like up to 9,000 feet in altitude, which you may not be thinking makes a huge difference, but it really does. Um, it, the, the wines uh, contain a huge amount of, of resveratrol, which you're probably like, I don't know what that is are you speaking English well let me just tell you it's what makes your wines even more healthy um, it is heart healthy and it boosts the longevity of your life in many studies so what you can say is I'm drinking wine for my health when you have Bonner wines do you even need another I am excuse so excited about this I know come August <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> oh yeah that whole thing that I just had to go through <laughs> um, but uh, so their wines not only do they have that resveratrol but they also have less sugar less chemicals less additives than your standard wine they also taste incredible they've got notes of blackberry dark cherry smoke they go great with a good steak but you better cook it medium rare because that's the only way to cook your steaks. Uh, you got to get some of these wines. They are flying off of the shelves. They can barely keep them in stock, but they just got another shipment in. So don't sleep on these. You got to go to cowgirlwine2021.com. You will get 50% off of the wine and 50% off of the shipping. That is a huge deal. Go snag one before, well, go snag a case before they run out. It is cowgirlwine2021.com. Hey, do it for your health. Cowgirlwine2021.com. Back in a minute. we talk about politicians and how awful they are, uh, Georgia Governor Brian Kemp, not him, signed the Republican-backed Election Integrity Act of 21. This was SB 202. He signed that into law yesterday. Of course, you saw Democrats protest the bill because what it actually did was um, reduced voter fraud by enforcing conformity across the state. It amped up voter ID, uh, restricting drop boxes, and expanded in-person voting among additional election-related overhauls. So obviously uh, trying to ensure that our, our elections are secure, uh, accessible, and fair. So the Democrats' argument was, of course, that um, it was like really mean um, you know we're talking about compassion it was really mean it was really uh, it was incompassionate and um, racist obviously but uh, one of the Democrat lawmakers uh, got arrested uh, while handcuffed outside of Brian Kemp's office as she tried to get in and disrupt when he was signing the bill into law here's a little bit of that exchange What did she do? Where are you taking me? What did she do? Where are you taking me? 
Okay, that's enough. I mean, come on. Could that? Could she be making that any more dramatic? I mean, really? She, like she's the way she's walking and she turns around. Uh, really, really. I mean, was this like a was this like a capital riot? Was this like her form of like? Well, that's the argument. I mean, so it's okay for her. This is an to interaction. Go in, yeah, and disrupt uh, what's go, like our our process right. here, but the democratic process. Mm -hmm. She's going in and interrupting it and wondering what they're arresting her for or what they're handcuffing her for. Um, John, I would just like to know when she will be um, put, you know, have charges put on her for inciting a, an insurrection. She will. I mean, AOC at the border, the photo op, this with the photo op, such is the nature of estrogen in politics. It's oil and water. It just doesn't go together. I mean, she, they're exploiting these things for attention. And it's just like... Can we talk about that for a second, actually? <laughs> I would literally love nothing more. Yes. <laughs> because that really is one of my main problems with all of these women. And they're making it... Everything is so emotional. Yeah. And I'm like... I, you guys are making me not ever want a woman president because I can't. You guys, you're not going to be able to like get with the big dogs when it comes to foreign policy and stuff. You're just going to be like, oh, he did, he made a comment about my hair, and that's, I just didn't yeah, really appreciate it. That's the that. problem with female narcissism. Male narcissism is actually very charming. Like, look at Donald Trump. Like, that's he gets true. up there. Look, you're I'm really wrong. rich. I'm really. I say this not. I mean, you know, never forget the presidents of the United States. If you look back at the archives, made a joke about the size of his hands, on, like on national television. Like, this is what the guy did, and everyone thought it was funny whereas female narcissism is much more like everything has to be about me like AOC getting up there and crying mm -hmm. at the at the border in the the you congressional the hearing lot? yeah at the parking <laughs> lot or when she was talking about you know how her life was threatened by the people who went into the capitol and things like that it's just like so off-putting and such is the nature mm. Amy do you disagree did I did I strike a nerve with you you no, I, like you're not wrong. We see it in the business world over and over again as well. And I just keep telling people, I'm like, this isn't actually doing anything right. to further our cause as women. Mm -hmm. Like, why can't we just earn our spots, work hard, take the the title, the 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 identity politics out of everything that we do? It because. To me, like you're gonna gain a lot more respect when you do it that way right. versus trying to to play on I don't know, these gender politics that, that and identity politics that people are are trying to push constantly. But they know that it works. They know that it gets some attention. But it's just very annoying, especially like for somebody like myself who. Mm -hmm. I, I had to work very hard to get where I am. Yeah. I didn't play this card over and over. Actually, in a lot of cases, I mean, I had to overcome being a woman in the industry that I'm in. Mm -hmm. And fine. Right. All right. It, it made me dig my heels in and, and work a lot harder. And so I'm like, it's just it's just really annoying, I, I mean, think, to see. To that point, too, going back to the story of what's happening in Georgia, you know, you're looking at them tightening up, making it making your vote count more. Right, I think because I think everyone's everyone's real votes count more when you discard or make it harder yeah. for illegal voting to happen. That makes your vote count more as a citizen. And instead of being like, "Great, uh, our election matters. Let's make sure your voices are heard," the Democrats are like, "This is really racist," which to me is like I can't think of uh, very many things that are more racist than assuming that because of the color the color of my skin I don't have the ability to go get an ID. Well, like how is, stupid do you think I am? Like the most bipartisan thing that everyone sh you would think everyone would be jumping on the bandwagon it be like controversial. it should not be like let's reduce voter fraud right. because guess what? I mean 
the more opportunity there is for voter fraud, well, I mean, aren't the Democrats worried that like Republicans could go and commit voter fraud too? I mean, wouldn't they want to be putting things in no. place to because <laughs> they know Republicans don't have the balls. Well, to... we don't win the we never win the dead people vote. Like yeah. we are like. Don't talk you about know. courage. Let's stop talking about stopping voter fraud. Let's talk about stopping voting or at least like reducing it. <laughs> yeah. No, we should. There should be a, a test that you have to pass. I don't understand. No, like unironically, I don't understand why people who aren't paying taxes get to vote as to where my tax money is allocated. I, like that's a bad incentive. Is that not like a conflict of interest? I completely agree. I mean, you you understand. <laughs> You understand why they thought to have, you know, uh, property owners be the ones to have their votes count, right? Because when you look back at it, you're like, okay, I can see where they were coming from because you're, it's a huge conflict of interest when you're saying, uh, yeah, I want this person to go do more things with these other people's money that's going to benefit yeah. me. That's what's so, so like, Why funny. do 16 and 17 year olds need to vote? On things. Like this big push now is trying to yeah, lower they, the voting right, age to right. 16. I'm like, what, what? They, they literally, I'm terrified to be driving on the road next to them. Like, I don't want them, don't want them voting on deciding. policy that they have no yeah. idea what they're voting for. That's such a good point. It's like, I don't understand how these people go into traffic or or browse the comment section of a YouTube video and think, Gee, I'm really glad all these people get to vote. Like, this is just so great. Like, the guy, like, you'll be, like, driving, and then someone will cut you off, like, turning out of a Target parking lot, and you look behind you, there was no one. They would have right. just had to wait right. for one more yeah. car. Yeah. And it's oh, like, this person gets to decide where my money is spent. <laughs> I love democracy. That's the other thing that's funny, too, about how... how uh, cowardly conservatives are is because, you know, our entire identity is the founding fathers were geniuses, scholars of history. What'd you think about their uh, attitudes towards voting? Yeah. Well, they got that wrong. No, they got that wrong. <laughs> democracy is our greatest virtue. Like, they didn't like democracy. They studied Plato. They studied Aristotle. The best example would be, uh, I think Plato wrote about the ship. Like, if you're on a ship, you don't want everyone like, let's turn the wheel this way, or maybe let's do this way. You want, like, the most competent people being in charge of the decisions that's going to affect everybody. And the reason they want, like, mass democracy is because they're in control of all the media apparatuses and so they can set the mm -hmm. narratives and so naturally if more people who are less intelligent and have less at stake are voting like they can solidify like a one-party state yeah. mm -hmm. under the name of virtue and more democracy because right. if everybody gets a say then it's like better well look how excited everyone was like the more free stuff you promise to give right. them yeah they're gonna go out and vote for that and then they Which wake up they like, but i didn't get my free stuff but guess what the next round again they know just offer them more and they'll forget and it. And you idiots will take it and run it. with it again mm -hmm. and forget that they ain't gonna pull you out of what they got you into. Um, but, you know, that's just, you know, they're trying to fortify an election here. So we can't get in the way of that. All right, we've got more to come. First, we want to thank our sponsor, Candid Company. All right, so if there are those of you out here who maybe you're like me and you or your parents when you were younger spent a ton of money on your teeth to be nice and straight and then you stopped wearing your retainer and then guess what? Your teeth actually shift after you become an adult. I learned that the hard way, but I use Candid now. Uh, Candid is a clear, comfortable, removable, and practically invisible aligner to help straighten your teeth like braces. By the way, it's gonna save you a ton of money because they're way less expensive than braces and they're easier to do because what you do is you go online with Candid, they send you um, a, a package, they send you these impressions, um, you like make the moldings, you send it off to a licensed orthodontist who is an expert in tooth movement and they are going to send you back 
uh, I, I got like 12, 12 different aligners in a container, in a set, and you wear each of them two weeks at a time, and they're going to shift your teeth. So you can do it from the comfort and convenience of your own home, knowing that you're getting an expert in tooth movement, uh, knowing that they, they are sending you the same exact thing that you're going to get, but you're going to get it at way less of a cost. You can go to candidco.com to get your straighter smile today. It is candidco.com right now. You can save $75 on their starter kit. It is candidco.com. Make sure you do candidco.com slash Y. Use promo code Y for that $75 off. candidco.com slash Y. Use promo code Y to get $75 extra off. Back in a minute. Dr. Robert Redfield, who is the former director for the CDC, uh, is now coming out and saying that he believes that coronavirus escaped from a Chinese lab. He said, I do not believe that this somehow came from bat to a human. Here is Robert Redfield on with CNN's Sanjay Gupta. Watch. If I was to guess this virus started transmitting somewhere in September, October in Wuhan. September, October. That's my own view. It's an only opinion. I'm allowed to have opinions now. You know, I am of the point of view that I still think the most likely uh, etiology of this pathogen in Wuhan was a, from a laboratory, um, you know, escaped. Uh, the other people don't believe that. That's fine. Science will eventually figure it out. It's not unusual for respiratory pathogens that are being worked on in a laboratory to infect the laboratory worker. All right, I guess he's a conspiracy theorist because you're a conspiracy theorist if that's what you think, right? Well, did CNN yeah. know that he was going to say that? I mean, did they oh, get his I answer prior to going <laughs> on? I mean, they let this guy on the air say this kind Spreading of stuff. Spreading conspiracy Spread. theories. Mm -hmm. That's misinformation. I think CNN should be shut down. Here. Yes, <laughs> I agree. That's why. Um, but yeah, I mean, Dr. Robert Redfield, former director, and now if you did hear him say, well, I'm allowed to have opinions now. So this is my opinion. I would think that his opinion comes from a place of being more informed on all of these matters, uh, you know, more informed than anyone at this table, you would think, right? Way more informed. He has access than, to yes. more <laughs> information and doesn't have to go along with the government narrative. Mm -hmm. But John's looking at me like I'm... I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm Push skeptical. Push back on me, John. Push back. I will. I'm skeptical <laughs> of the sort of like, okay, we're going to allow this guy on CNN and he's going to say, I think it started in a lab so that maybe the viewer who's skeptical of the whole thing is like, I knew it was China. I'm just, I've noticed a trend while our country has been collapsing in the last like 40 or 50 years where we try to, because we can't be unified under things, mm -hmm. we try to point at like at least what we're opposed to. So like, you know, in the Cold War, we had the Soviets, uh, then we had the, the Middle East for a while that was gonna, I guess, invade. Like CNN aided in the narrative that literally convinced middle Americans, Joe Sixpack, that all of a sudden like Iraq was gonna try to invade America. That was like an actual thing that people believed. And now it's like China. So we ignore what's happening in our government mm -hmm. as far as like the draconian lockdown measures. And then we're like, hey, wait a minute, China's bad. Grr, we're mad at China. Yeah, we don't like them. And our government's like, yeah, China's the one taking your freedom, not us. Chinese people are going to be here, you know, telling you that you can't hug grandma or have a party with like more than five people or something. Like, honestly, when they invade, I'm, I will greet them as liberators. Like, it's just going to be. <laughs> well, okay. So, so le Amy, let me get your thoughts. And then I want to come back to that because I have a question for you on that. Um, I, I mean, yeah, I love listening to your commentary. That's <laughs> actually probably so true. I so mean, true. yeah, but then on the flip side of that, I mean, so what are you going to do when you've got an administration that is in bed with China? And I mean, then how are they going to play? What's their next move here? Like they're 
What are they going to do? They're not going to ca- put the sanctions on um, them. They're not going to, you know, raise the duties and the import. Ch- I mean, so yeah. what are they going to do? They just deflect. Well, and that, so my question kind of goes goes along with that because I think what we're seeing too at the same time is um, our lawmakers jump on this bandwagon of stop Asian American, stop uh, Pacific Islander, like you know, hate. stop this yeah. hate, stop this racism, and they're going with the racism idea so that it will become um, taboo. You're not going to be able to criticize China because if you criticize China, you will be called a racist. Yeah, I was thinking about that for a really long time because that just happened. Seemed overnight yeah. like all of a sudden yes. what is it a aapi is like this thing and i was thinking about it like because asian americans tend to be pretty socially conservative like they vote democrat but like they're not on board with a lot of these more progressive narratives and so i think what that is about is like trying to bring them into what i refer to as like the homogenous woke coalition in order to like mobilize against like conservatives and traditional americans by painting them as like victims of this mm-hmm. racism when Frankly, if you ask any Asian person, like, who the big, they'll tell you. They're quite aware of, like, who's actually targeting them. But the yeah. media wants to convince people that, like, oh, wait, there's another. It's like, uh, you know, when you're a kid and you're, like, collecting, like, Pokemon or something. Like, I have to take care of this. <laughs> and so you've got, like, these white liberals who are like, I will save you black people. I will right. save you Hispanics. Right. <gasps> Asians, too. Like, please, let me mm-hmm. save all of you. I'm so virtuous. It's like the same thing, just, like, adding more things for them to feel as though they have to protect. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's, that's a good point. I, I still think there's something to driving the narrative mm-hmm. that you're racist if you say any you can't say anything about Asian Americans. I think that we're going to see that translate over um, before our Chinese overlords come to. Well, they have to because to a us. lot of Asian people have started to push back against things like affirmative action because they're yeah. aware yeah. that it's negatively well, affecting. Yeah, they're being discriminated. So now they have against. to be like, well, we have to protect you from the white man, and so you know, join us. And so that, I think that's what it's about fundamentally. Yeah. Uh, All right. So another note on COVID, uh, Virginia wedding venue. I I just love all these lawsuits that are coming from COVID. I'm like, the more the merrier, sue the hell out of all of these states. Uh, Virginia wedding venue is filing a lawsuit against Governor Northam claiming discrimination in COVID restrictions. So they said wedding venues are being treated differently than other outdoor venues. Uh, The governor allowed outdoor entertainment venues such as baseball stadiums, raceways and concerts to have 30 percent occupancy with no cap. Uh, this is discriminatory. Why can a wedding venue not operate with up to 30% capacity? And uh, this is unequal treatment. And I tend to agree, not just with the outdoor venues, but just generally mm-hmm. speaking, with all of the COVID restric- restrictions that we've seen, they're all arbitrary. They're all not based on science at all. Um, and the fact that bars had to remain closed, where restaurants could reopen and still serve alcohol, the same drinks that you would be getting from a bar, the bars could have maintained the same type of capacity. But, well, you know, big big daddy government didn't trust you guys to be drinking at a bar and still maintain that social distancing, so he knew better and had to shut you down. Um, I say sue the hell out of all of these states. Absolutely. And I, I love to see people flip and use the words that a lot of these lawmakers are pushing so heavily. So when you're yeah. friendly, open your eyes. When you've you've literally set up everything that you do based off of, um, is it discriminatory or not? Right. And then I love when people are like, you know what, you can play this game. Yeah. So anyone that feels discriminated against, well, why don't you just use the same language to come right back at mm-hmm. them? And I hope we see more and more of this. Yeah, I mean, it, I, and, and if you're talking about discriminatory uh, rules, I mean, this really does mm-hmm. actually apply, unlike a lot of the things that they claim. John, last word. 
I was just going to question why the state would want to prevent people from forming families, which are the backbone of a free and prosperous society. I just can't mm. figure it out. Hmm. I don't know. I'll, I'll have to Google it or ask uh, Jim Acosta what his opinion is. I yeah, don't know. I don't know. Maybe ask the Black Lives Matter movement. They might have a, yeah, a little will. bit of an opinion I, I on will. that. Mm -hmm. All right. We've got more to come. First, we want to thank our sponsor, Built Bar. Uh, if you are looking for a healthy but delicious snack, maybe you're always craving junk food. Maybe you made a New Year's resolution that you have kind of let go by the wayside. Let me tell you about Built Bar. Okay, Built Bars are, they're covered in 100% chocolate and um, they are a protein bar, but they taste like a candy bar. So they're low in calories, they're low in carbs, they're high in protein and fiber. Um, so you're gonna feel good about eating it, but it's also gonna satisfy your sweet tooth, okay? I'm telling you, everyone that I have given Built Bars to comes back to me and they're like, can I have more? I feel like a drug dealer <laughs> in, my, in my dressing room. You, have you been in there, no, right? we keep saying I'm going to come by your dressing room oh, and you I haven't. don't. I'm coming by okay, your dressing come, room. Okay, come by. I've got all of my Built Bars in my dressing room and I'm doling them out like drugs and everyone comes back and they're like, do you have more Built Bars? Do you... Do you have more Built Bars? I need more Built Bars. Uh, they come in a bunch of different flavors, mint brownie, cookies and cream. Uh, coconut brownie chunk is one of my favorites. Also uh, chocolate chip cookie dough. Okay, so you gotta get some. They're delicious. They're gonna fill you up. They're healthy. You can feel good about it. Go to builtbar.com. Use promo code NEWS15 to get 15% off of your next order. It is NEWS15 for 15% off at builtbar, B-U-I-L-T, builtbar.com. Back in a minute. Minnesota Department of Education released a draft of its new social studies curriculum standards. Uh, you guys are going to love this as there's a new emphasis on diversity, equity, and gender because we can't talk about anything in life without putting emphasis on um, diversity, equity, and gender. So uh, the committee wants to begin social studies classes with a land acknowledgement. Land acknowledgements tell students that they are learning on land that was conquered by Americans, though once belonged to Native Americans. Um, so let's just get that land acknowledgement out of the way now. Uh, learning social justice curriculum begins in the first grade. Six and seven-year-olds may be taught about systemic discrimination and how groups have fought against such discrimination. Uh, let's see, fourth graders will investigate how race, ethnicity, gender, age, religion, and geographic location shapes the opinions of people. Fifth grade, students are asked to investigate how groups like uh, religious groups, women, LGBTQ, have advocated for access to greater rights. Um, fifth graders, by the way, will talk about the ongoing debate of uh, following the death of George Floyd and the resurgence of the Black Lives Matter movements. Yes, I said fifth freaking grade, fifth graders. Sixth graders will describe the goals, offenses, penalties, long-term consequences, privacy concerns of Minnesota's juvenile justice system and evaluate the impact on black indigenous persons of colors, which of course is BIPOC communities. The iron law of propaganda. The sooner you start the conditioning, the less it has to make sense. And so if you can start them in kindergarten or first grade or whatever, like they're not going to question it. They're just going to believe it. It's going to establish their entire frame of reference. And especially with some of the things that they're talking about and frankly even exaggerating pertaining to American history, if you can emotionally traumatize mm -hmm. children, mm -hmm. then later in life, if anybody tries to actually present to them the truth or correct what they've been taught, they will actually become emotional. Like, why, how dare you question mm -hmm. what's happened? And they, they will be so resistant towards that truth because they've conditioned them. So like... Yeah, it sucks for us, but you know, you got to respect the hustle. Good strategy on well, that part. Well, and you, it pits the children against their parents. I mean, look, I have, I have no problem. There are aspects of this where I have no problem teaching about our history and our past and how we've overcome challenges and, and things and, and, and wrong things that we've 
this collective like we've done in our country. I have no problem with that. But it's the forced context, you know, that they're they're teaching these kids. It's the propaganda. Mm -hmm. It's and then it's the lack of parental influence in a lot of these children's lives as well, where you're not getting two voices. You're not hearing an opposing voice to this. A lot of parents aren't even involved in the curriculum. They have no idea what's being taught to their kids. And all of a sudden, one day they wake up and a parent voices an opinion that differs from this. And you've got massive infighting within the family, just another way to break down the core unit of the family. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think it's it's just goes to show how important it is for parents to start getting involved. Yeah, um, please. Or get and, your kids out of public schools entirely. And hopefully we have that choice, mm -hmm. you know, here in the next, like, 10, 20 years. Because as they talk about removing school choice, you never know what your options are going to be. So you have to train your children young. You have to train them to think for themselves, to explore and to look at all facets of, of education instead of just taking what what one teacher tells you and listening to it as gospel truth and believing it. Yeah. Or you could just teach your kids like I do that liberals are crybabies. I feel like I don't, we don't need a, another, we don't need a differing <gasps> opinion there. It's just liberals are crybabies. Yeah. You have to take their like very like childlike perceptions of things <laughs> and then find a way to explain them very like intellectually. Right. Like physiognomy, for example. If someone is ugly and a child is like, they're ugly, like, yeah, that might be immature, but you know, you can look back to the Greco Roman discipline like physiognomy. They thought that they could infer an individual's character from their physical appearance. And it's like, okay. So you've got the like the lower IQ, like, you're ugly. I don't have to listen to you. And then you've got like the middle IQ, like, that's an ad hominem. It doesn't affect my argument you've got like the high iq like you look spiritually unwell i will not listen to you but i will pray for you like that's where i'm at and that's what my children will know well let me while we're talking about kind of indoctrination uh of public schools which by the way if you guys think i live in a school district where that's not happening check again as amy was saying a lot of parents don't realize this is going on right under their noses uh really quickly we've got about a minute left but i saw a you know the second amendment right now obviously is under attack and a lot of it is starting in the schools, mm -hmm. Amy. I was looking at worksheets that are going home with kids, and it's like, explain why your your generation might be the generation that changes the gun culture in America. Yeah, well, they're going to do exactly what you're saying, emotionalize the situation, mm -hmm. only point to the negative things, the, the bad that comes from, um, you know, people that get their hands on guns that have evil intentions. And so that's why it's so important as parents, if you believe in the Second Amendment, if you believe in the importance of it, that you are teaching and training your child from a very young age about how to be a safe, responsible gun owner and that a gun is a tool and in the hands of a good person can be used for good. So we have to combat that message. Yeah. Uh, by the way, I feel like this is a great time to remind everyone, Alexo Athletica. You got to go there. Uh, women, especially, empower yourselves. Get those leggings. Carry at all times when you can carry. Um, just I can't tell you how many times that. I mean, look at what ha grocery store outings. You yeah. think it's just a normal day and how quickly normal everyday activities can take a tragic turn. So, yes, carry. Wear your gun. Carry with confidence every day. All right. We got go ahead. Can you imagine being, like, shot in self-defense by a woman in leggings? <laughs> That, that in itself is that a big enough be. deterrent. <laughs> like, not even going to risk it. Like, it's one thing if she's, like, got, like, the purse holster, but, like, this, this chick's in, like, Lululemons, but, like, with, like, a 40, it's just... The be it's better than Lululemons. <laughs> All okay, right? Okay. We got to take a break back in a minute. <laughs> it's too, it's too embarrassing. Yeah, no, like, obviously, you know, you shouldn't be robbing women, but, like... <laughs> if I were... Oh, we were just talking about how annoying people are when they don't know anything about guns and they try to tell you how 
horribly scary AR-15s are and that they're weapons of war and um, we don't need weapons of war on the streets. It's like, have you ever, have you ever bothered to like, I don't know, be in person with one or shoot one or anything before you talk about how big and scary they are? I think it's racist, quite honestly. It is. You look, uh, what's the weapon? If you look at like the Mini 14, the Ruger, mm -hmm. it's 223. You can get a 30 round magazine for it, but because it's brown, like a hunting rifle, See? they're not afraid of it. That's yeah, what I'm they're saying. projecting their racism that's towards the black, I mean, African American AR 15. Yes, that's what I'm saying. It's time that we call it out for what it is, which is pure racism. It's scary and it's black, and because it's black, you think that it's somehow going to harm you more than all the other guns. Yeah, so that's a very good point. Shame on all of you racists. By the way, uh, if you have not yet subscribed to Blaze TV, make sure that you do so, especially if you, uh, if you believe in what we're doing, the things that we're fighting for, the Second Amendment, the First Amendment, uh, you know, against big tech, make sure you sign up for the subscription. You can save $10 off when you sign up for a year by using promo code NEWS only at blazetv.com. It is blazetv.com. Use promo code NEWS to get $10 off. Thanks for being here, guys. It was fun. Love As it. always. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the news and why it matters. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you'd like to watch the program, become a Blaze TV subscriber and start your free trial now at blazetv.com.